Hey there, and welcome to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for your life and your mission. I am Aaron Sandemeyer, and I will be your host. Each episode, I will be having a transparent conversation with people who care about you and desire for you to be healthy, resilient, and confident in your life and as you pursue your mission. I know that one of the biggest roadblocks to health, resiliency, and confidence is lack of clarity. I believe the transparent conversations that we will be having and the life stories that we will be hearing will be invaluable for both you and I. Today on episode three, we have the opportunity to sit down with Beth Grant. This interview, this conversation that I had with her was inspiring, was challenging, was insightful. I think this will be one that you will once again want to take notes on, one that you will, some critical points of of spiritual warfare, working in dark places, the challenges of that. She shares about obedience and the importance of obedience. She gives us valuable information of what she has learned over the last 10, 15, 20 years working with Project Rescue and the valuable insights her and her husband as they've walked into these areas that were pioneers in reality in our mission, pioneers in the certain area and working in that and how that has been received and how that has been accepted and not accepted and what she's learned through it all. It's been one of my favorite interviews so far. And so I think you enjoy it. And so there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings and welcome to the Clarity Podcast. I'm so excited today to be here with Beth Grant from Across the Miles. And many of you know Beth Grant. You know the impact that she has made around the world. Many of you have probably heard her, read her writings, the things she's wrote, and probably heard her speak as she is a challenging speaker that the Holy Spirit guides and directs and uses to challenge us all. So Beth, we're so glad that you're with us today. Could you just share a little bit about yourself for maybe some of the listeners who might not know as much about what God is doing in and through you? Thank you, Erin, for this privilege just to share with the Africa family. Thank you. Yes, I am also a missionary. I married my husband, David, 43 years ago now, and um, I had been serving as a minister of youth and music, and when my first husband died, and a couple years later, and God brought the gift of David into my And so he had been working in India already for nine years when we married. So the week after we were married, so I have crash course in uh, culture and mission, and um, that fell in love with the people that have been on David's heart. So it's been 43 years now, focused much on Southern Asia, but also on Europe, and um, some in Asia as well. I'm largely involved over the years. We were involved with church planning, but I was involved with theological schools in India. Project Rescue and helping women have that healing journey. And I also 
to, I think, sometimes the humor of God might have ended up serving to accept it now for 10 years. One other place when we say we be able to God, we never know what those steps take us to. And he is so good and faithful. Amen. Amen. And so you said it was an unexpected journey with Project Rescue. Could you go just a little bit deeper into that? What do you exactly mean by it was unexpected? Well, we were so involved for 20 years with more traditional, what we would call traditional missionary activity, church planning, evangelism. My husband was an evangelist in Natchez Park. And so we were involved with that and theological education. And then one of our colleagues who had started Teen Challenge in Mumbai, India, and Bombay, went into an area that the church in India never goes for good reason, went into a red light district, felt God led him to take his team just a block over from where they usually ministered to young men on the streets. And in going one block over, stepped into a totally different world, a world of sexual slavery, where at that time it was estimated up to 100,000 women and children were in one red light district. And most of those at the time had been trafficked from Nepal and other parts of India. So suddenly we had this glaring disease, which tragic that our colleagues at us went in. He had the audacious place to stand in the middle of something that is hell and to share the and out of the out of a hundred they thought it was a policy, but they were not free to leave their people. So that was that was an open to the world they didn't really even understand. And that person I see shared Jesus. They asked us to take thirty seven dollars, ages three to twelve, thirty seven little girls who had been born in two blocks. And that was their future because someone helped them leave there. So he called us weeping and said, Brother Grant, can we take 37 little girls? And with absolutely no plan, no strategy, no logo, no marketing, <laughs> nothing. But in that, in that moment, when Deborah shared what had just happened, we knew in that moment that 37 little girls were in the heart of God. Yeah. He knew them by me. And how could we not say yes? So my husband, being this intuitive man of faith, immediately said, of course, Deborah, yes, no problem. And I mean, in the moment I knew, at that moment I knew as well, absolutely, Lord, yes. But then the planner in me immediately goes into gear and <laughs> go, okay, Lord, how do we do this? Yeah. I'm the detail person. Yeah. So, but out of that, yeah. Suddenly, we had 37 little girls. Deborah found an apartment. We found godly women at local churches who would be house mothers. And we began a learning journey. Within weeks, those little girls knew Jesus. Wow. Within weeks, they knew how to pray. And within a month or two, when we went back, those little girls were already filled with the Spirit. Little girls, many of whom had been exposed and offered to Hindu goddesses early in their life, were now full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were saying, Auntie, can we pray for you? Wow. So, I mean, have the courage to go out there. God calls us to go into the darkest places. That's where his loving power shines most brightly. So, I mean, we saw the hand of God in 
That's amazing. And it's challenging to all of us. And very, very interesting and important point that that God's love is in the darkest places. But I think sometimes we lack the courage to go into those places. And I want to thank you and your husband for being attentive to the Holy Spirit and his guidance and having the courage and um, being an example for many of us of a model of when God speaks. Even as you said, not having the plan and the planner in you, it was caught you a little bit off guard, but following what the direction that God had for you. And we thank you for that example that you are to us. Have you learned any lessons? A lot of times I think it's easy to learn from successes, but at times normally we begin the podcast with a lesson that we've learned because this is a transparent podcast. It's unscripted. We ask questions. We have a conversation. And is there anything that you've learned in this process about casting a vision and motivating people and mobilizing a team? Because once you began this process, you had 37 girls and you needed a team around you. Have you learned any lessons in the process that might be valuable for the listeners? I groan when you ask the question because there have been so many learning experiences and some of them painful. We learned quickly that you can know and sense that God is in something and try to cast that vision and share it, but not everyone will understand. Hmm. And I think that's important. For the first 10 years, we had to constantly make a case that this indeed was part of God's mission. Because sometimes in our theology and our tradition and culture, we have huge, some expressions of compassion as a threat to the heart of the God wow. and evangelism and discipleship. And from the beginning, I found myself being the one. My husband is a huge vision caster, but I'm just trying to find ways to communicate with our leadership through graphics, through putting things in writing ways to say, no, this is not a tributary off of the main river of God's mission. This is in the heart of the river. Because every every time we go into the red light, we're reaching. We're reaching. We're, we're praying often to pray with women. We're praying in the name of Jesus. We're, we're sharing the evangelism there. The discipleship began. It all had to be there. But that's not always apparent. So there was fear. And I mean, we had humorous moments where the women that opened the mail headquarters, when people started getting towards something that is unique they've never seen before, some people immediately went past vision in the U.S. They didn't vision. Some of our leaders were not so sure. And they really, because they're the guardians of the UGW mission. Right. So they were like, what are you doing? And then the fact that the ladies in Central Mail were kidding checks written up to David Grant's prostitutes did not help us. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
coveting to pray for one another, seek God's wisdom and how to do this. One thing after the other started just coming against us. And Satan said, there were times where I said, God, if you don't do this, we will not even choose a place of honor. And so it was very apparent that he stepped into an intense spiritual battle. That's what I mean. It also became very apparent that in every battle, as we have the ingredients to share Jesus in the dark place, God talked to me as God does. And we obey whether people understand or not. I mean, it's nice when they say, please, everybody understands and agrees with it. Absolutely. But it's not essential. And so we just kept trying to explain the case why now we're being very careful to stay right on mission without aging of their mission. Girls were getting discouraged. Girls were being discipled in every single aftercare home. Discipleship was happening in the district, in a health clinic. I mean, all of the things that we believe are the heart of the gospel were happening. And now many of those girls have gotten to college, they've gotten graduate degrees, they go girls born in And now they have become the kids. It's not back then, it's a grandfather's divorce. It's old, young, and the only girl who are now courageous women. So that's what we see God work. That's amazing. That was, that, that was a lesson we had to learn. And we prayed and we just realized whenever we cast vision, we had to be prayerful. We had to do self-assessment and ministry assessment constantly to make sure because nothing, nothing generated more raw emotion in our missionary family that worked with it. And this particular horrific I saw people that had been bankers and accountants before. They got involved with it suddenly. There was so much emotion. That's natural. It's a horrific. But I realized quickly we somehow that emotion driver. Oh, we could get off mission. So we learned that we were going to have to cast vision and keep articulating the mission in a biblical way and protect those core values. It's a non-stop communication job as well as a ministry job. For our listeners, you talked about the 10 years and somebody that you looked up to, a spiritual mentor, said that when you go into this area, all hell is going to break loose. And you talked about those 10 years where it forces the enemy was coming against you. My generation, we know it's there, but we don't have the experience or the insight or maybe the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. I can't speak for everybody, so I'll speak for myself. What lessons did you learn through those 10 years that you could share with us that might help a listener that's in a a very similar place? Maybe they're on an LD team and they're living in a place where Islam has a stronghold on the community and they're coming up against some of those, the resistance of the enemy. Is there any insight, wisdom that you could offer to help us understand what you've learned in that process and maybe encourage listeners that are in that place like you were for those 10 years? Obedience, obedience, obedience. Keep going. If you know it's God and if you know he has you there, at times that's all you may know. But it's enough. It's enough to know he has you there and you are obedient, obedient to what he's asking you to do. You may go long stretches without seeing you break through, but you have to come to a place where knowing 
you have God's favor and you are what he has asked you to do. Sometimes we need to know that's enough to carry into heaven is how believers walk with God, whether anyone else ever understands. The other thing is, and I know our own daughter and son-in-law are leading LB team in a sensitive area in Southern Asia. And I know for ourselves personally, we were stepping into a, an intensity of spiritual battle and darkness that we had never stepped into before for all those years. Now, leaders in Southern Asia who walked with us through some of that said, nothing in all our community has been as intense as this. This is the hardest battle we've ever fought. So I quickly became a student of prayer. Asking God for several years, just my prayer was, God, teach me how to pray in the Spirit, led in the Spirit, defined by the Spirit, anointed by the Spirit, and help me, Lord, to understand what it means to walk in spiritual school. I realized when I walked into those places of darkness, where darkness is intimidating, physically, literally, in your face, intimidating. I quickly realized that Grant did not have it. And it's going to take me to discover what it is to walk in greater authority. Jesus had all authority of heaven and earth come into the me. Therefore, oh, but I had to learn to walk in that and to understand what that meant to walk in that kind of authority. And God would use some of you if they have heard me tell stories. During that time of praying and being a student and thinking, God, teach me, Lord, I have to walk in these places, not in my own authority, but in your authority that's tangible. The enemy knows, well, God will speak to me to things that would happen with our daughters at home. And at one point, I remember, I was one day on the phone, we had, we had phone lines, four phone lines. My husband's a communicator, we love phones. So anyway, we had four phone lines, and it's, he was on the phone line, somebody else would get it. I would get it if I was there. And one day, he was on one phone, I was on another. And he he looked up another phone rang, and he looked at our daughter was back and say, get the phone for that. And she said, Daddy, and she said, please no, please no, please no. And she was shy. So his time was wasted. He wanted to call. And he looked at me, oh, Jennifer, who was standing there, and he would say, honey, get the phone for that. And I thought, the Lord said, are you serious? And she, she was thinking, she said, I don't know what I said. She said, you can't say David Grace, can I help you do three years old? Wow. And I watched as a little three-year-old girl stepped over to the phone. She picked up the phone and said, David Grace, can I help you, please? Wow. And I was stunned. In that moment, it hit me intuitively. When she answered the phone, it was not the daughter who was speaking. She had in that moment been chosen, taken on her father's authority when he said, Jennifer, speak for me. Hmm. And in that moment, it was not the daughter's voice. It was her father's voice. Wow. And as I heard her speak, I thought, how many times God had nudged me by his spirit and said, that this is the moment. Step up. Speak for me. And in my, my shy, reserved nature, inside of going, there, oh God, what do I say? I don't know what to say. And in that moment, the spirit of the Lord is in the his word in my soul. 
and the words begin to come, and suddenly as I yield to him and open my mouth, the words that come are not the dawn. Hmm. It is the voice of the Father speaking. That's powerful. But we have to be willing to step in to a spiritual authority we have never known before. That's powerful. And not be worried about our voice. If we allow him, it will be our father's voice. That's powerful. That's a phenomenal illustration, and it illustrates it very, very well. And thank you for that. And I do think in my own life that is a struggle. Sometimes we fear can overcome, and it prevents us from wanting to step in, but knowing that we're speaking for the Father and that he's with us. Well, is, is the... and Aaron, I would say you, those of us who work in Africa, very similar where we work over these years in Southern Asia. Other cultures than American Western culture, I think, tend to be much more sensitive spiritually because they live in a very spiritually dynamic world and they recognize that and they participate with it. So when we walk down the street and through the market, if we are entertaining the presence and power and presence, of God's Holy Spirit. If we are walking in a sense of God consciousness rather than self-consciousness, they stand of the Lord. They may not know what is happening, they may not know who or what it is, but I can walk the streets in India, they can sense when I am walking in the presence of God. It's tangible. And so it matters and He speaks. And the Holy Spirit ultimately is the one who gets the altar call by his very presence. He draws people to himself. So that's where I've had to learn. And that's the desperate cry of my heart always. When I go into those areas, oh God, may I walk so much in your presence that there is a tangible mantle on my life with your presence. And that if I am walking with the consciousness and entertaining his presence, others will sense that. In this season of your life, as we think about different seasons of life, as you talk about going into those areas and motivating the team and the areas you're working in, what is an area that is most important to you that you're most focused on this season of your life? Well, it's making sure that we stay on mission, especially in the work and our traffic work in our world. It's, it's, it's been kind of but... For example, people have said to us at the State Department privately in Washington, you know, if you just don't say that Jesus you could make a lot of money. And they said, you don't understand. Without Jesus, we don't have rescue. Wow. And I think that's my concern for a present and future generation, is that we know that without Jesus, we have very little to offer the world that's in great darkness. Because we're not so much in a physical as we are spiritual path. So the physical challenges are there, but it is nothing compared to the intensity of the darkness of the spiritual battle. But the good news is we can hope, then that can be a little I have to say, wait a minute, back and shake myself and try to teach it. Don't be different. Why did we come here? If there isn't a hope in Jesus, we might as well go home. We are in the very darkness. Well, we are having the same, oh, we are having confidence because we need to understand the darkness, we need to understand the challenges, we need to understand the trauma, 
think the reason that we shy away, you talked about the staying on mission, and do you think sometimes the, the drift away from mission is because it's easier to focus on the physical needs than it is the spiritual needs? Why do you think sometimes we can drift in a different direction? Have you noticed some different things is involved in your work? Well, I think Western culture easily sees people with spiritual and body suffering. So it's kind of pregnant person The God created us as people. So body mind spirit, I mean it's not even about balance. It's something that's whole balance is in the right conversation. Because in Christ it is all integrated. He came to create to bring wholeness to the whole person. So it's more how can we do all of this together in an integrated way? to bring Jesus to the whole person. So obviously, if a woman is being raped multiple times every day, and she, she's dying of HIV, AIDS-related illness, she needs help. And to just talk to her about a gospel, but to avoid talking about the one who came to bring healing and wholeness to every part of who she is. I mean, I'm failing. If I can't bring cold gospel to her. So yes, it is easy to bring the cup of cold water, but I'm feeling the loss hmm. if I don't bring that together with my faith in the one who loves her so much he can transform her life. We have to intentionally work to bring those together rather than fragment them or see them as competing parts of our mission. There needs to be this integration. So that's a concern I have, because it's easy to try to do one without the other and think we're getting the job done. But if I, I just love the way Jesus, he, I mean, to me, I, he's my greatest model for this, going back. And the fact that as he was teaching, and he was, he was being as a teacher, and I identify my model because my heart and passion is teaching and training. But I love when he was teaching the crowds and recognizing they were hungry. But some of us would have wanted to make sure we finished the lecture because we would have really worked hard at that lecture <laughs> and planned it well. So I would have, my 
my natural tendency is, wait a minute, we can put off lunchtime because I want to finish this point. Yeah. Jesus cared that they were hungry. Yeah. And he stopped and had a massive feeding program. That's good. In the middle of his lecture. Yeah, that's good. So see, why do we have to, why do we have to fragment the gospel and the power of the whole of it into pieces and we all choose our part? No. He called us to preach and live and engage and practice the whole gospel. Amen. Amen. Beth, we began the podcast with a a challenge and you shared some of the challenges. We normally end the podcast with a win or something that you're encouraged by or the people that we're having the conversation with that they're encouraged by. Could you give us a story or something today as you look out over the landscape maybe of ministry or the generations that are coming? Is there something that gives you encouragement or something you're rejoicing about in these days? Well, I think, Erin, when you had sent me some questions and notes and I was thinking of praying. One of the themes that you talked about was collaboration. And I, um, for us, that's a huge cry for us as Project Rescue and the things we're involved with, women in ministry, I'm engaged with that. That's a cry in my heart. Some of us are not natural collaborators because we're introverts. Mm-hmm. We're reserved. We work well by ourselves. Um, that's natural. But over these years, I've learned more and more and more and more. Even though it's messy, collaboration is critical if we are serious about fulfilling God's mission in this day. That's good. I was, some, some of us struggle with that, and I think our Pentecostal theology and our tradition and the assemblies of God We've got rugged individualists in our history, great pioneers. That's true. And some of us are pioneers. But so we don't always think in terms of collaboration. But I was sitting listening to my husband preach in London a few years ago in an Iranian church. And I was listening to facts I know well. He described how organized crime in Russia, the mafia, how they are working to traffic women in slavery and Albanian mafia, and he's just going down the list. And suddenly it hit me. I'm listening to him describe this incredibly horrific, effective, efficient, worldwide network of exploitation. And I thought, dear God, if organized crime can work together for the purposes of greed and injustice and exploitation. Why can't good people, God's people, work together for the purposes of healing and redemption? That's a good word. That's a good word. I thought sometimes they can do it better than we can do it. And from that day on, I said, God, help us. It's messy and it takes more time. But we must collaborate together across nations, denominations, churches, groups, people, calling. That's good. If we don't, the lost lose the most. But if we do, something happens. Like happened in Madrid last summer when African leaders came to be hosted by Project Rescue and see the need and strategize together, led by the Spirit, and say, what does God want us to do together? Yeah, that's good. Together. 
Thank you for that challenging word. That is a challenging word for all of us. Beth, would you pray for us? Will you pray that that spirit of collaboration that God has spoken to you about will permeate the audience of this podcast? And pray for us as we are working in Africa and going into dark places. Will you just pray for us and for the listeners of this podcast that God will give us a spirit of collaboration and that we will come together and the power of the Holy Spirit to reach people in the name of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. Father, We love you so much, and we thank you for sending your son, not just for us, but sending your son for the nation. And Father, today I thank you especially for the Africa family, my AGWM brothers and sisters. I thank you for the leadership you have played. I thank you for each man and woman that is here serving under the leading you call. And Lord, I today pray a fresh sense of your love over them, that they would stay wherever they are. They would have a sense of how much you don't just love the world, that you love them, that your plans for them are good. Even when it's difficult, oh God, you are with them. You will not leave them. You will not forsake them. And I pray for those that are disheartened today with the tangible intensity of the darkness they face that seems so impermeable. The Father in the powerful name of Jesus today, we pray that there would begin to be cracks, literal cracks in that great wall of darkness that we come up against. Because, Father, we are not coming against those walls of darkness in our own power, ultimately not in our strategies, but we come against those walls of darkness in the power and authority of the name of Jesus. May walls that have been there for centuries, may those walls as your people are courageous and have the courage to speak when you ask them to speak. Let's put your words in their mouth. That we will not be people of many words, but we will be people of the spirit who speak just the right word at the right moment, at the right place, at the right time. Because you, Holy Spirit, speak through us. And as we obey you and walk with you day by day, Father, may we walk in faith anticipating that you will bring God appointment. That you will ordain our days and our steps. And God, we will begin to anticipate that you are going to break into our days. And that you will give us those moments when you can break through and you will change lives. Father, I pray that you would teach us as never before how to walk in this That we may not just be people of Pentecost in name, but that we will be people who walk daily in the power of and that, Father, as we do that, we will walk together shoulder to shoulder, not going head to head, toe to toe with brothers and sisters. Help us to love one another in a more deep way than we ever have before. And that we will have a heart to collaborate as we have before for the sake of the mission. Bring us shoulder to shoulder, Lord, in this mission, in our city, our nation, our team, for the sake of your purposes accomplished. May your will be done on earth 
Father, I pray that I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit upon your people. A fresh, a fresh anointing. We are desperate for you, Lord. We are desperate to walk in this spirit. The nations of Africa will be mightily, mightily impacted. And those areas of darkness that destiny will be challenged and entered and all broken down in the name and power of Jesus. For the sake of your glory across the continent, the cross of Jesus may be planted from the north to the south, to the east, to the west. And that the nations will glorify you. We pray that the power of the nation. Amen. Beth, thank you for your time. And we'd love to have you back again. We only covered uh, three or four of the questions that I had for you. I'd love to have you back on the podcast in the future to talk about your work with women in ministry and women in leadership and your insight in on that. And if you'd be willing to do that, we'd love to have you back. Thank you, Aaron. You are gracious and I'd be happy to. Thank you so Blessings much. And um, husband and I love the missionary family. And so our prayers will continue and are with you. Thank you so much. Well, I told you you wouldn't be disappointed with that interview and conversation with Beth Grant. Very insightful, and as I said, very challenging. And man, we could have went on for a lot longer. I had sent her eight questions before the interview, and we only got through about three or four of them. And as you heard at the end, I asked her if we could have her back. I'd love to have her back on the podcast. For her insight into this, we were specifically focusing on growth area number eight and the importance of leadership and leadership intelligence, lessons that she's learned through collaboration. And she talked a little about the importance of collaboration. And then many of the things that you cannot read in a leadership book about spiritual warfare and those areas that is not common in pulp culture, leadership theory, the idea of spiritual warfare and what that means. And that's something that we're all faced with, especially as believers in Jesus Christ. As we lead, we know that there's spiritual forces that we bump up against. We're more comfortable with the physical forces, as I asked her about. But it's those spiritual forces that create the biggest roadblocks, I believe, for us. And so she provided some great insights. So I do hope that we can have her back on to the podcast. And you probably heard, as I said, these are unscripted interviews. You probably heard my dog might be barking in the background and you heard some different things. It was rain here on our tin roof in Madagascar. And the recording wasn't the best. And that's something we will be working on in the future as far as is the podcast improve that. But the insight that she provided and the challenge and then her prayer at the end, uh, the prayer at the end, if nothing else, you listen to, I hope you listen to the prayer at the end because that was valuable for me. And so thank you once again to Beth Grant. Thank you for her taking her time. She is someone that has a full schedule and a lot of demands on her schedule, but she was willing to take the time to sit down and talk with us for this podcast. And I'm very thankful for her and her willingness to do that and to invest in us and to invest in the Africa House and business leaders and beyond for those who want to grow in their leadership intelligence and understand a little bit more about spiritual warfare and those things that we will come up against as we leave. So thank you so once again for being part of this podcast this time and episode number three. Looking forward to episode number four that will be coming up and that will be with Greg Beggs. And in that uh, interview, we will be talking a little bit about theology and missiology. So don't let those things scare you off, those big words. And he'll use some other ologies in there, but uh, don't be scared off. It'll be valuable for you wherever you're at in this and it'll be very important and I'm sure you don't want to miss it. So thanks once again. Appreciate you.